Hey guys, it's Angela Blair and welcome to All Strings Attached. We've got an amazing episode in store for you. There are certain phrases some of us long to hear. I love you. I can't live without you. Will you marry me? And for some, it's will you accept this rose? I know this world of reality dating television all too well with my short-lived 15 minutes on the screen. But Bachelor Nation takes it to a whole different level with the show being one of the longest dating series in history. Season after season, hopeless romantics show up and wear their heart on their sleeve in an attempt to find love. Now you may or may not watch the show, but let's be real. Putting yourself out there on national television to get possibly rejected or eliminated takes a lot of courage. Today, I'm speaking with one of the contestants from the recent season of The Bachelorette that featured Katie Thurston. My guest is Mike Planeta. Mike not only put himself out there for love, he totally flipped the script on a date where they had to show how they'll be the best lover. Instead of grinding to a sexy song or showing seductive moves, he decided to read a letter to his future wife where he shared he was waiting for marriage and for her. It was as if the room paused when he confessed that decision. And even though Mike wasn't Katie's final pick, I know his journey is just starting to find his bride-to-be. So Bachelor Nation fan or not, this is a conversation we all need to hear. Mike Planeta is a gym owner from California and is most famous because he participated in the 17th season of The Bachelorette. He has been a professional baseball player and was born and raised in San Diego, California. I am so excited to speak to Mike about his journey in the world of reality TV and The Bachelorette because we have a similar experience. He shared a value to the whole world that wasn't taken the way you might expect. He was saving himself for marriage. Mike, I am so excited to have you on and talk about your journey on The Bachelorette. Thank you so much for being on with us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I have to ask this question. Are you tired of talking about <laughs> you waiting for marriage? Like how many times have you had this conversation? Yeah, I've had it a lot. I have. But you know what? I think there's kind of a beauty in that. I think it's it's a dialogue that's been created that I think has been neglected for a long time. One thing that I've been trying to do is not just talk about it, but actually talk about the why behind it. And that's something that I've been excited about. And that's what I really personally think that's why God kind of put me on the show. So I don't mind it, but I, I, I definitely try to navigate it to where it's like, okay, that's not just what I am, but I want to talk about yeah. the why to what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, you know, and I shared with you, I also did a reality dating show years ago. Eva Longoria was a producer and night one, they asked, hey, say something interesting about yourself and then pulled me aside and said, hey, Angela, make sure you say that you're waiting for marriage. So it kind of felt like this banner 
I felt like, should I just wear a uniform that says Angela the Virgin all the time? <laughs> like, have you ever felt like that? Like, No, totally. And I think that's one thing. If you can't create like understanding of your why, then you're going to be put in that box. No question about it. Well, I am just excited to learn more about you and your why. But I first want to rewind to why did you audition for The Bachelorette? Or <laughs> did you audition? Like, how did you end up on the show? So funny story. I've been reached out to for not just dating shows, but a lot of reality TV shows. But most of them were dating for about three and a half years now. And in February was when it all like kind of came to a head. I had four shows reach out in literally 10 days. And I was like, okay, does my profile just scream I need a date? Like, what's going on right here? So, and I remember after those four reached out, I literally looked up and I was like, all right, God, like, if you want me to go on reality TV, I was like, just make it obvious for me. The very next day, the bachelor reached out again. And I was like, okay, I didn't mean that obvious. Sometimes he answers prayer pretty quick, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And then four weeks later, I was sitting in quarantine ready to film. So you're contacted to be on one of the most popular television shows in history, one of the longest running shows. (laughs) Did you know that Katie was going to be the Bachelorette? Or were they just like, hey, we want to pair you with our next Bachelorette? Did you know it was her? Well, I had never seen an episode prior to going on. And not only that, I didn't know who it was going to be. No matter who it was, I didn't want any prejudgment on it. I was just like, I'm just going to go into this and I'm going to kind of not wing it, but I, I was confident and comfortable in who I was, where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, no matter what happens, I'm being called here. So then I'm just going to show up. So no, I had no idea who she was. I had no idea how it worked. I knew the concept of it, but I, I was so, that's why so many times throughout the season, you see my face. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I just literally (laughs) had no idea what was going on. And it's a whole other world, right? You have no phones, no communication with the outside world. Now, obviously, your decision to wait has been publicized through this show. Is this a decision that you talked about openly? Like, did all of your friends and family know about this before you went on the show? Yeah. And that's the thing is I'm an open book. Like, I literally am very transparent about it. You know, I, I would not be doing it if I wasn't confident in it. And when I came back, everyone was like, you went on the season with the girl that is literally the most polar opposite. But what I will say about Katie is a lot of the people didn't get to see a side of Katie that, you know, she really is much more reserved than people think in many ways. But yeah, I mean, everybody knew, the producers knew, but here's what's wild about it. Nobody else knew. Katie didn't know. The guys didn't know. The very first real actual conversation I had with her was when I read that letter to her on stage. Oh and, my gosh. Which that, you know, a lot of people were upset about that. That didn't bother me because for me, all I wanted was an opportunity to explain why I was waiting. Was it the most ideal circumstances? Uh, right. yeah. No, it wasn't. But it was, it became an intimate moment when I read her the letter explaining why it became a really intimate moment. And honestly, a lot of people were like, well, that must have been tough because you're reading it in front of people or you were doing all this. Like I didn't see anybody else. When I was up on stage, it was just her and I, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to let you inside my heart. I'm going to help you understand like why this is so important to me and why, if this is to work with us, why I've chosen this. Yeah. And for people that may have not caught that episode, they're probably like, what letter, what are you talking about? If you can just share really quick what that episode was. You were in the first episode and then it was kind of the next date. Yeah. It was the first group date. 
how do I explain this? Uh, the best way to explain it is it was like walking in the lion's den. Like it was, yeah, yeah. it was a sex date and it was, there was a lot going on. What do you mean by sex date? The first thing we walk in, it's pitch dark in the room. We walk in, the light shines on the stage and there's a bed with handcuffs on it. And we're all like, oh gosh, like, <laughs> where is this going? Oh and my then, gosh. And then uh, they started to ask us questions. And I knew, I knew one question was coming because I could just see it being set up. I was like, I know what's coming. Yeah. And one of the one of the questions was, when's the last time you had sex? And this is actually an interesting moment that a lot of people don't, they don't know about this. We had these little whiteboards and you were given about 15 seconds to answer a question. And when they asked the question, they're like, when's the last time you had sex? I initially wrote never on the the whiteboard. And um, and I just remember looking up and and I just felt like I was like, not yet. Like, this isn't how it's going to go. So I erased it and I put a question mark. And Katie was so great with it. Like, we went through the line and she looked at mine. She's like, question mark. She's like, okay, mystery man. And she actually said, hey, listen, everyone go at their own pace. Like, this is go what you're comfortable with. So we kind of wrapped up the first part of the date. And then the second part was, okay, you guys, here's a prop table over here. And on the prop table, I mean, it was like whips, chains, like it was Pretty ridiculous. Have you seen any of that stuff before? Uh, well, I mean, no. I mean, not in not in person. Those are not things that I was familiar with. But I mean, obviously, you know, it's twenty twenty one. That's stuff thrown in your face. But yeah, it's like totally. They actually, I didn't even get to go to the prop table because what we were supposed to do as soon as it broke, we were supposed to go to the prop table, and then we had an hour to put together a performance on stage. And we were supposed to perform How You'd Be the World's Greatest Lover. That's what the date was called. So they actually grabbed me, took me to an interview. So I actually only had 10 minutes to do what I actually did. They were, they were like, you don't have to do this. And I remember specifically saying, I was like, what type of like man of faith would I be if I was too much of a coward and walked away from yeah. this? I was like, I'm not afraid of this. I was like, I just need him to tell me what to do. That being God, obviously. Did you feel supported on The Bachelorette by like the producers and just the people around you with that decision? Like, did you feel respected or like, oh my gosh, am I kind of being pinned as the virgin for typecast? I mean, I I knew what was happening, but I will say this. You are never forced to do something. I never felt forced of like, you have to do this, you have to do that. Now, was I... Put in that situation for probably a reason. Yeah. But again, this is how my mind works is if, if I'm afraid of that situation, then I never should have came on the show in the first place. And that was something where when I got into that situation, I was like, okay, I just kind of need the discernment between what he wants me to do. And then I was like, okay, as soon as I got it, I was like, well, you write to your future wife, you know, almost every day. So I was like, so why don't you just read her a letter and explain your why? So I had 10 minutes. I wrote it together real quick. And then I, and, and what was crazy is like the other guys, I was the second to last to go. And the other guys, like the performances were pretty raunchy, but they were pretty funny. So I was like, these guys are doing a really good job. And knowing what was coming, you know, these guys are stripping, they're doing all these other things. And, and I, I remember being like, yeah, this isn't going to be a whole change of pace when I go up. There. Yeah, totally shift the vibe. Yeah. So what I did was I walked up on stage or I actually grabbed her first. I was like, hey, can I bring you on stage? And I think she thought something else was coming because... I sat her on the edge of the bed and she's like, ooh. And I, and I sat down and I said, so the best way for me to show you how I'd be the world's greatest lover is by me letting you in on my heart. And she's like, okay. And I was like, so I wrote a letter to my future wife and I want to read it to you. And she was like, okay. And I read it to her and about halfway through, 
I look over at her and she's crying. And I was like, oh no. I was like, oh, here we oh go. My and, God. I, and I pretty much said, I said to my future wife, like God has written you on my heart since my very first memory. Like I've always wondered what you've been like. And then I went on to explain like how the best way for me to show her that I have always been thinking about her putting her first was to take away like what is usually a man's, you know, big desire and to show her that like, I want to save that for her. And I really do think that was the first time she'd ever heard it spoken to her like that. She was so taken aback. She was like, and she even said to me after, because I ended up winning the date. I ended up getting the trophy, winning the date. And that was the moment where she was like, okay, like this guy is not afraid of the moment and he knows exactly who he is. And I think that kind of catapulted us to be able to, you know, further the relationship. That's incredible. My heart really connects to that. Stepping out of The Bachelorette for just a moment right now, like, forget the show. Like, you're a good-looking guy. You seem really cool. I'm sure you've had lots of opportunities. What influenced you to make that decision? Because you hear a lot of girls waiting, but it's so much harder for guys. Why and how? Like, that's, it's just really rare. I have three sisters. We're all year apart. So I grew up around women. It was just my dad and I. And I remember my dad, he just explained with such clarity of like, hey, listen, this is not going to be easy, but like, this is what God is calling us to do as men. And he's calling us to honor women, to respect women. And I remember just thinking in my mind, I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I remember as I started to get older and I started to become more self-aware and I started to kind of understand myself more and then started to understand scripture more it all started to just kind of come together where I was like, okay, this stuff makes so much sense. Now, this is the one thing that I say, and a lot of people actually take this out of context. And I want to create extreme clarity with this. When I became more self-aware and I started to understand like my actual, like my heart's desires sometimes and how selfish they naturally were, it started to really make sense why God would, would put it on my heart so deeply like, wait till marriage, wait till marriage. This is why, this is why you're doing this. And it started to make so much sense to me because it started to create clarity where I was like, I am so close to having my life go such a different way. And that is literally just me making a decision on whether or not I start to act on not just sex, so many selfish desires in my life that I could just take it and run with it. And that's what I, you know, when people think you're waiting till marriage, they think you're approved. That's the farthest thing from what I actually am. In fact, and and I know this is a a very weird thing to say, but like, I am a very sex positive guy. I talk about it all the time. I talk about like, I I try to understand it. I try to figure all these things out. Like, that's how my mind works because like, I don't want to be afraid to have open dialogue about sex with my future wife. Like I want, I want to be like crystal clear with all this. And I think for me, once I started to understand where I was like, listen, a couple decisions can actually alter the trajectory of like what we're trying to work towards for your future wife here. I think it, it created such an understanding where I was like, especially when scripture's tied into it, where I'm like, okay, that makes so much sense. I mean, you look at even in scripture or even outside of scripture, like some of the biggest, most powerful, and I can only speak to men here because I'm a guy, but like some of the most powerful men, like some of their biggest downfalls were in some of these arenas you know, a lot of people take it out of context where I say, like, I know myself, like, I know the selfish desires that I have. A lot of people think I'm speaking out of shame. Not at all. I'm just speaking with awareness, you know? I think purity culture makes everybody, even me, right? And I waited. It's like, oh, like, there's just so much shame and fear around that. 
Like, why do you think waiting for marriage is viewed as such a crazy decision? Well, for two reasons. And I think there's two culprits here. There is the church who is kind of, you know, in the past is almost like demonized it where it's like, don't have sex because it's bad. It's like, no, it's not bad. This is like one of God's most beautiful creation. And I think the church has kind of put it in a box. And that's where some of the shame has come from, where if somebody has had sex, then all of a sudden they feel like there's a stain because they're like, sex is bad. No, it's not. But what God is saying is to fulfill it to the full extent that I created it for, do it within marriage. And I think that's where the, the missed opportunity with the church over the years has been, is where it's like, you demonized it. And that's the church's fault. Now, in the secular world, it's almost like, and this comes with anything, not just sex, it's instant gratification. If you're feeling something, then do it. And it's like, no, like we can sit and say that, but there's ramifications to our decisions in anything that we do. And I think it's created such a gap where it's like, okay, well, this side saying sex is bad and this side is saying indulge in whatever you want. And I think what it's created is an absolute misunderstanding. It's created confusion. And what I, what I think we should be actually seeking is the understanding behind it. You hit it on the head. I don't think of this as a, oh, I'm afraid of sex or I'm this or like, I'm no, I think of this as like an extremely romantic thing that I can show my wife that, look, this is a big desire of my heart, but I will go to the ends of the earth to sacrifice so many things so that you feel loved and you feel honored. And these are what these rom-coms are teaching in the first place. What are you willing to sacrifice for your future spouse or for the woman that you love? And this is something that I'm showing women where I'm like, hey, and not just women, this is a commitment to God as well. And, and it's a commitment to God because it's me trusting that he has more wisdom within this context than I do. And this is what I want my future wife to understand is like, and, and even women to understand it and men as well. There is so much meaning behind what you're doing. Don't just stumble into this and make a decision without having the understanding of it. Understand how romantic and how hard it's going to actually be. This is not easy. For something to become beautiful, it's going to take time. For something to be sustainable, it's going to take time. And that's what I want to show my future wife is like, listen, I have thought about you in every situation. I have been praying about you for so long, even though that I haven't met you in the flesh, like I've been praying about you so deeply. And I want you to know that like in these moments, I thought about you. And in these moments, I wanted to honor you so that when the time comes that I trust the fact that God's going to bring us together and we're going to get to experience such a beautiful thing. And that is where the misunderstanding comes from. We're so focused on, well, I have this desire. I got to act. And if I don't give this up, then they're not going to like me. Well, if that's the case, then you shouldn't be with that person. And from the church side, and I think we're starting to get a little bit better, but you know, the, the religion side of it is like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. No, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. But understand why it's beautiful and understand the steps it has to take to get to it being a beautiful moment. For sure. So if the girl is not a virgin, is that a deal breaker for you? Like, do you want a girl that's also weighted? Or like, what is your view on that? So this is also another view that I think some people would kind of be like, wait, really? That's how you think? I don't know if I've ever dated a virgin, to be honest. And it it has nothing to do with the fact that because I wasn't looking for one. It's just that I just hadn't dated one. And I think for me, yes, I would love to experience that with, you know, with a girl. That would be incredible for us to experience that together for the first time. 
But I also am not going to put that expectation on somebody. But the expectation I will put on somebody is that we run that race together moving forward. I will never cast any judgment on somebody for a prior decision to me. But I, I do want us to be on the same page running that race together because I'm no saying either. And that's the thing I want people to understand is like, you know, I, I have plenty of sin that I've had to battle throughout my life. And to, for me to put a crazy expectation on somebody, that's not fully fair. Would it be cool to experience that together? Yeah, what a beautiful thing. But at the same time, I recognize that, and I, and, and I don't say this in a pessimistic way of like that it's not out there. No, it's out there. But I, I'm not going to put that expectation. If, if God brings me an incredible woman and we run that race together, I wouldn't even think twice about it. I would, I would love that, you know? As you're dating, what are the boundaries that you've kind of put up for yourself to try to not have sex? Like, are you like, okay, I have to leave at midnight? Like, or like, what, what are your boundaries you, you put up? You know, it's funny, the older I get, the more boundaries kind of come into play. I, I just, when you're younger, you're, you're trying to figure out these boundaries, right? You're like, okay, like, where am I in the wrong here? Like, what can I get away with, you know? And it's like, the more that I've started to understand my why, the more I understand of like, you have to be so overly intentional to make sure that your desires are never trumping putting her before you. And that's something where I've now found myself where it's like, I'm not putting myself in situations where I'm sleeping over or I'm at two, three, four in the morning with somebody alone, you know, or midnight or 11, depending on what situation you're in. Like there's moments like we're all human. We're like, you know, if you're put in a certain situation, it becomes a lot harder of a battle. And I think that's something that I've been trying to fully navigate. And I haven't, like this past year has been probably the driest dating season of my life, which is so funny. People would think so it's ironic. The it's so ironic, but it's been the driest because I've been trying to fully navigate it. And I think for me, my boundaries more, and it's more so like a hard issue now. It's like, okay, where's your mind at with her right now? Like, are you honoring her in this space? And, and I'm human. I don't want to be like a robot because I'm not a robot. And like when I'm married, like all bets are off, right? Like it's so it's you, you still want to be able to like to have that romantic side and to still have that chemistry. My boundaries have been more so of like, Okay, let's figure out the foundation. The first question I asked on any date over the last couple of years is I asked the girl, I say, if the right man came into your life today, would you be ready for that? I want to be very intentional with this. And I want to meet, like, I'm not dating to date. I'm dating for marriage. So we're not even in these situations because we're talking about you know very serious things. And then once we like start to hang out, let's go do fun things. Let's go see if we're active together. Let's go see what life would actually look like. Because we're, we're not going to be making out 24-7 throughout our, our, our marriage. We're going, to be, we're going to have to be friends. We're going to have to develop other things. Sometimes you're going to sit there in silence with each other. And I think that's something that I'm trying to figure out way before I even get to those moments. Because if I don't think, and a lot of people will disagree with this, but I, I don't. It, if I truly trust the fact that God's going to bless my marriage, then I don't need to worry about whether or not you know, some of these things are going to be great. Now, there are things that, you know, when, when you kiss somebody you like, it's much different than, than if you kiss somebody you don't like. That's obvious. And those are things that I think are, are things you should figure out. But, you know, this whole, you got to test drive it before you buy it. I don't agree with that. Like, I truly think that if this is who God's brought me and my heart is, you know, falling in love with her and she's falling in love with me and we're honoring each other, then I'm not worried about that at all. If you have one thing to say to girls out there, because... I'll just talk for, for some of us girls. 
it feels like pressure to have to hook up with a guy in order to get him or end up dating. And it, it really feels like a lot of pressure. What would you say to women today to empower them just being a guy? What I would say is this, is if this man is the right man for you, and this is something that is important to you, like, you know, whether you don't feel comfortable, you know, hooking up, or if it's something that you are waiting till marriage, no matter what it, what it should be. If a man is truly after your heart, then he needs to respect that space for you. And a man that is pressuring you in these arenas does not have your best interest. And I understand there's grace involved in this. Like he's only human and he has desires, of course. And I'm not going to discredit that. And I haven't been perfect in these areas either. But what I will say is that if a man is truly really putting your needs above himself, and this is something where you are feeling pressured, one, vocalize it. Tell him that. And if he takes that as a shot at him or he takes that as you being selfish, then that's not the man for you. Because a man after your heart and after God's heart, but let's just say after your heart, that man is going to put your needs above yourself. And, and what I will say to women is be very observant of what his patterns are. Be very observant of what his character is. Is he following through with what he says? Is he pursuing you? Is he honoring you? Is he communicating with you? Because if he has high character, some of those other things can be built. High character people too, they're not always going to be the loudest person in the room. They're confident in who they are. They're going to be secure in who they are. And sometimes they're observing just like maybe you would be. And I think that's something I want women to understand is that you don't have to give in just to make a man feel happy because that is not your job to give him these things to make him feel satisfied. That is not your job. Your worth is so much deeper than that. Your worth is, especially of course, like obviously I'm, I'm a strong Christian, like your worth, you know, God says you're so much more worthy than just these worldly things. You are, you add so much value. And that's first and foremost, I want women to understand like how beautifully and wonder, wonderfully made each and every woman really is. I'm gonna speak to men here. Men, show up. It's not about you. Like you should be, you should be putting her needs way above yourself. And if you're doing those things by your action and not your words, that's going to start to build trust. You know, I, there's so much mistrust in today's culture. And it's like, well, men are usually some of the biggest culprits of it. And it's like, okay, so start to build trust with your action, with your character, start to put her needs above yours. And you'll watch that woman will start to view you in such a different light. The last thing I'll say about just communicate. Like today's culture, we just don't communicate. We're, we're just like, we're trying to read everybody. Be bold, communicate. If this is something that you're passionate about, if you feel pressured and you don't want to do something, tell somebody that. And if that man walks away, that's not the man for you. And I think we're so, we are so scared of being alone that we lower our standards. And I'm telling you, like, if we would just embrace the loneliness and start to build healthy habits within that singleness period, then when the right person comes, you're going to be so ready. And you're going to, you're going to be so much more attracted to that right person. You're going to be running the same race. And newsflash, everybody, I'm married. I don't wake up and say, Carson, you define my happiness today. Like, I think there's this badge of, oh, you're single and you can't be living to your full potential or you're like sad because you're not with your person. But 
you know, we can't have someone else define our worth or be the center of our, I mean, obviously the center of our, our world and in a way, but not like in an unhealthy way, right? To define our happiness. So I love what you just said. You just said so much wisdom. <laughs> Mike, I'm so thankful you came on today. Is it okay if I like come across a good catch and maybe I'll play matchmaker one center day? Center my way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. You're still single. So <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I'm single and I would love to meet, you know, my, my future wife. So if you know any good girls, let me okay. know. <laughs> we'll talk offline about all the deets. So no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Wow, I really resonate with Mike and his journey. I felt so many of the same things, feeling frustrated that this decision of waiting means you're a prude or scared of sex. But really, he talks about his perspective was viewing the long-term and future marriage instead of living so much in the moment. He's so real on his struggles and really interesting how he has been so introspective and thought a lot about his why and how he can make decisions to get to the relationship he'll have one day. I'm dating for marriage, not dating to date. That statement really stuck out to me. I remember I was talking to a college student recently and she said, I think my friends and I are just so distracted constantly. We go from one distraction to another with our phones and social media. We don't take time to stop and think much. It's just a constant distraction. I think no matter what age you are, that distraction is there for all of us. We should stop to pause and reflect and ask ourselves about the decisions we're making. Where do these decisions lead? Are these decisions supporting the life I wanna create? Does this support the relationship I wanna create? All in all, no matter your past, I do think it's a powerful thing, however, to realize purity is not a state of being, it's a direction of traveling. Would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Find us on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter and share your thoughts. Thanks so much for joining us on All Strings Attached and continuing on the journey of love together. Attached is hosted by me, Angela Blair. The show is executive produced by Soul Shop, and our production coordinator is Spencer Trapper. Special thanks to the folks at City Reach Church and Daniel Rudnai for this awesome recording studio. Follow me at Official A Blair on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and follow the show at All Strings Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok too. Sign up for my newsletter at allstringsattachedpod.com. And if you go all out and send me an email at Angela at allstringspod.com, I may even respond. Don't forget to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts like every other show tells you to do. Until next time, I'm Angela Blair. Angela Blair.